Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> what, I, was, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> hey, guys. It's us again for the 200th time. No. <laughs> two no, twelve. Guys, we're here. Two twelve. Yeah, two twelve. I thought uh, every episode was 209 at this point. Yeah, every episode is 209. Is, they're all about Batman. Uh, yeah, we're here again. Back at it at the the Krispy Kreme. I get. I bet none of you looked that up at all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, James here. Joined with Robert. Hello. And Vito. Hello, hello. Oh, used my actual name. Yep. There you go. Yep. Very somber episode. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, we we have announcement to make. Um, due to life being what it is, it appears that this will be our final episode, at least as far as we know for now. This was not a decision that was made easily or quickly, and if it could have been avoided, we would have tried. Yeah, this this is it, guys. I, I'm happy we made it this far. Yeah, it's 50, what are we, 55 episodes in total, so absolutely. I'll take it. Yep. Those oh, poor people listening to me speak. <laughs> oh, the rats. <laughs> me going off on tangents and speaking like someone shaking up a eight ball. Uh, at least we're out before I did an episode on tacos, okay? <laughs> that, that would have been an interesting one. Yeah, but as he said, it's just uh, people's like commitments to other things are starting to take precedent. Um, there is a time difference hurdle that needs to be accounted for as well, and with um, certain developments with Savit and certain developments with James here, um, that's not very possible at the moment. I, on the other hand, am made of time, so I'm just kind of sitting here going, okay, sure, all right, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> True. I mean, but, uh, you know, go ahead. I, I'm, in total I'm in total agreement with you guys, though, because, like, if you can't do it, I don't want to do it alone. No one wants to listen to me speak alone. So, yeah, um, I'll, I'll jump right into it, like, what's been going on in my neck of the woods. Um, so, yeah, still working at the old Jabo, doing my thing. People keep quitting. It's getting really hard. Mm. There's not enough people to run a store. Oh, <laughs> that makes it tough. Yeah, one of my poor managers. She's worked almost 60 hours this week. Oof. I was like, I was so upset with the store manager. He could have called me in, but he would have told her to do an open to close, which is like 16 hours. Ouch. And so, like, we're having to pick up slack from two people leaving and there's probably a third leaving like someone who's just reached a point where they don't care about their job anymore so there's that also <laughs> like <laughs> some of these shifts I have to be three people and it's just it's it's rough I'm trying really hard to stay awake right now hmm. uh, are they not employing fast enough or they can't find people or um, trying hard enough? They've hired several people. Um, none of them will go to the welcome day because it requires you to drive out of state uh, six hours. Right. 
to go to the welcome day. That's right. Uh, one person did go to the welcome day. They got their mileage check for traveling and then immediately quit. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they just fleeced the company for several hundred dollars. Sheesh. Hmm. Yeah, it's rough. And uh, yeah, that's it's making it hard. And apparently, and this is what I've been told, but I'm on the short list to become a manager, which is going to make it even more difficult. Because it puts me in the position to have to work 16-hour days when people don't show up. So, My Warcraft raid. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even really get to raid anymore. It's super sad because I love my Warcrafts and hanging with my my peeps. But, um, yeah, but on the the other side, money. (laughs) All that green cash. Thing I've never had before. Yeah. It's true. So there's that. Uh, v, what's been going on with your life? Well, um, so a few episodes back, we talked about how I had applied for a charge nurse position in the unit I had been in for about the last six years. Uh was unsuccessful in that. But I obviously made an impression because about three weeks after I had been turned down f- for that position, one of the senior nurses on the interview panel came and found me, um, asked if I was interested in a secondment to be a charge nurse on one of the wards in the hospital. Uh, she then went on to explain it was a, a urology ward, so that's a little different, and that it would be a 12-month secondment. And I thought, went home, thought about it, discussed it with Claire, Re- pretty much knew straight away that it was too good an offer to turn down. Um, I'm having a couple issues with my current job, and that's got nothing to do with the actual unit. It's just the physicality of the job, and that is night shift. I've never had an issue with you know working evenings, working weekends, working public holidays, but... Um, I've been a registered nurse now for 26 years and each year nights become harder and harder to do. And Working nights is a young man's game. Yes, it is. Absolutely. I, I remember I was a six-month period in Texas when I was in my mid-30s. I was doing 60 hours and nights for six months straight. And it it was like water off a duck's back. Now, sort of ten years later, I'm like, if I can, if I sleep three, four hours after night shift, I'm doing really well. Um, and it's it's like I wake up with a headache and a hangover, like after every night. That's how it, what it feels like. And the other issue is I'm sort of losing interest in um, the keeping people alive. No, not that. no but the clinical aspect of my job and i've found that i have been more and more interested in sort of people management uh which is what led me to applying 12 months ago for this coordinator position that i've been doing and enjoying but it's sort of people management with night shift and i sort of need to like walk away from the night shift so cut a long story short they offered this secondment to me. It's 
12, 12 months, it's more than just a baby's babysitting position. You know, I have to get in there, get oriented and do what needs to be done. And the way I look at it is if I can do this and do it well, then I can walk into any uh, charge nurse position within that hospital come the end of my secondment. And or if I'm walking into an absolute shitstorm because this position has been unfilled for the last six months, I can always come back to what I know and where I am because being a secondment, they have to keep my original position open. So that's me. Neat. That means working back to working five days a week from 7 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Um, but unfortunately, it does mean having to um, walk away from this podcast, um, at least for now. And I have to walk away from my rate team as well. I had um, found a great bunch of guys, a great time slot, but now that time slot doesn't work either. So um, I'll be looking for a very late night raiding team, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Or, I'm just... or, or, yeah, or go back to resistance. <laughs> Uh, the, unfortunately, that the, the, the times just don't work. I, I'm oh. literally looking for a raid team that would start at like 9 p.m. server time uh, to make it work for me. Uh, so, but I'm going to give myself three months, get settled in this position, get through the orientation, and then I'll worry about World of Warcraft. But I am a little sad that I've had to walk away from that that team that I had found. Um, on a more Pop culture uh, aspect. I finally got around to seeing Spider-Man: Homecoming. I absolutely agree with everything positive that's said about this movie. It is a great movie. They absolutely did get Peter Parker and Spider-Man right. And I think James mentioned it. Not James. Robert mentioned it that they got the villain right as well. And it, I have to agree, it is probably one of the best villains for nothing more than they made significant aspects of the villain relatable, that you could empathize with. And he was not mani maniacal. He was not wanting to destroy the world. He just literally wants to look after his family, you know, keep his team employed, etc., yeah, um, by literally being a buzzard picking off the scraps of Tony Stark's existence. And, right. And he really is a vulture. It's it really is, he even yeah. makes a vulture like a, there's a scene where Spider-Man like webs him and he they do a snap zoom in on his face. He looks down the green yeah. eyes. He makes a noise. That's it's it he makes a vulture noise, the hiss yeah. of a vulture. <laughs> like it's so good. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, a great um, and a uh, great movie, and certainly one of the uh, best in the MCU thus far. And secondly, I got around to seeing Dunkirk. And I oh boy. have to say, I was a little reluctant going in. I didn't want to see a war movie. I sort of, you know, that they all come out at the end. Um, I'd seen a, a short documentary on it, but it was brilliant I, I literally just came back from watching dunkirk and what do you think um spot on good film yeah uh very well done um it's a little weird 
for me though because my entire family is history buffs right my, my brother's entire education is based in history even sure um so you know sunday mornings is you know well you know when the germans did such and such and the sure. british responded yeah, yeah. blah 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 you know that's how our, that's how our days go and it influences a lot of our politics <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, blah, blah, blah. yeah 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 it's just crazy um but yeah that that movie is pretty spot on um it, it clearly goes for a much more um dramatic emphasis oh, yes. than, oh, yes. than historical emphasis um but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well made. It's pretty masterful. Yes, it was. There, there, and... were, a, there were a few things about it that um, I felt like in a couple of places it maybe dragged a little bit, but I didn't actually feel like that was the movie's fault. Sure, sure. And, and the thing is, it went at a certain pace. It was never really, you know, it never had its peaks and valleys in pacing it was just steady this whole movie just kept a certain pace it wasn't verbose it didn't have a huge dialogue didn't have a huge script but uh, it all came down to the sound and there are some um articles out there about the technique used by christopher nolan and Hans zimmer in creating the sound and the music that was used throughout and that alone kept you on the edge of your seat the whole time even yeah. though even though ultimately you knew what was going to happen you still yes. were on the edge of, you still were on the edge of your seat and, and i i agree with that it was one thing sorry i was just going one thing was interesting was the um as you mentioned the sound design throughout the entire film and i mean from beginning until very near the end at a very dramatic moment there is a ticking clock noise throughout it's part of the music it's the sound effects and there's always a throughout the entire film ceaselessly yep and it was and and again it was wasn't a cast of big names probably kenneth branagh is the biggest uh name in the whole movie there's about two or three other actors that you would recognize more by their face than you would know by name um, but like I said, it came all in the sound and the eye acting. It was like, it wasn't a big physical, physical type of acting. It was all in the face, all in the eyes of every, every main character that was featured in this movie. It all came down to the eyes. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I just brilliant just brilliant so that was me that's my real life that's my pop culture life robert what about you uh i went to nebraska to hang out with family for about a week and i decided to play hearthstone while i was there you poor bastard that game sucks (laughs) as much as i I, here's the thing i legitimately enjoy hearthstone like i i cannot deny this the the sense of humor is spot on like an addict enjoys heroin (laughs) kind of it's just the, the sense of humor in Hearthstone is is wonderful, and that alone will keep me playing the game as much as I want to just go on a murderous rampage every time I play it. Hmm. Um, well, the thing and the part of the problem is that I play Magic: The Gathering. Like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it sure. out right there. Yeah. You know, I I play Magic. I'm sorry, as much as an elitist jerk as it makes me sound like, I'm just gonna straight up say I know how a real card game is played. <laughs> And, and no, seriously, because there, there was a game, for example, just last night, and this wasn't even the most enraging thing I had happen during the course of the week, but just last night, um, I played a game against a, a priest. We were both, we were both the, uh, quest priest. So we're trying to get, you know, the death rattle minions out there or whatnot. And 
he had a sequence of events where he played cards that say generate random thing, right? And he just kept nailing the perfect stuff. He played, um, oh gosh, what did he hit? He played, um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's one of those guys that just creates a card based on your opponent's class, not not like in their deck or something, based on their class. Sure, sure, sure. He got mind vision and then hit a one in seven chance to copy my Inaya. Ouch. So he got to cast that twice. Uh, yes. Tell me that's a good game. Poor with viewers. a straight face. That game Poor is listeners terrible. are so lost in the weeds right now. I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's, it's, it's literally BS. I mean, I had a guy just, you know, string together things where it's just like, generates random cards, makes up random stuff, hits you with things. And it's just like, I, I can't play around anything. There's nothing to do. There's no intelligent decision to make. I can I can make smart decisions once I actually have a card in my hand. That's easy. That's fine. But the moment the game just goes, you know what? All these cards may as well just say, shrug. That's what the card says. At that just... point, I, I have no idea what to do. There's nothing to play around because he's going to play a card that says, generate a random dude. And then I just kind of sit there and watch and go, what is the random thing? Oh, it's mass to spell. And I just lost five death rattles. Cool. Yeah, that's fair. That's a great game. There's well, no skill in that. There's no skill whatsoever. I mean, I, I'm not a bad player. I just did a 7-3 you know, arena run off of Mage and stuff. I'm like, I'm, I'm, my best is a 10. I saw you just recently got a 12, which yes. congratulations, by the way. Thank um, you. Yeah, but I mean, I just, as much fun as I have with that game, it's just not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not a good game. So I just enraged myself for it's an It's a good week. game. It's not a good card game. Uh, I would say that's fair. I would say that's okay. fair. It's, it's, in, in uh, comparison it's fun, to it's fun other to play. It's a really fun game to play, but it's like when, you, when, you, when you've come around and you're literally staring at this and you're going, even with the power creep that the Pokemon card game has had, I still have a respect for that crap. <laughs> then I do Hearthstone as a card game because I just this this idea that completely random cards can be generated is just like okay, uh, there's there's absolutely no possibility for me to be strategic here because it's like okay they play Primordial Glyph, so theoretically they have a turn now where they can pyroblast me with a ten mana card for eight and then they can hit me for eleven. Mm. Do I do I play around this? I don't even know what they got. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, it, it's it's insanity. It's just, it's a good thing. It's fun. <laughs> um, uh, yes, and you guys know I really enjoy the game as well. I have the advantage or disadvantage of never having played Get Magic the Gathering or any like games. It would games. be advantage. Well, because maybe. Magic kind of ruins other card games for you. Right. True. It really does. True. Um, so I don't have that to compare it to. What it has, what it is, what Hearthstone is teaching me is, A, you need a deck that gets you greater than 50% win rate, one. Two, you just, when you lose a game, you just hit play again. You just hit the next game and you just move on. And it's teaching me to leave my emotions out of the game I just had and move on to the next one. As long as I've got a good deck, I will keep progressing. So that's what it's taught me good for me in that respect but i i I, know i don't i don't disagree you know i've had those moments of rage and frustration well i think i think the problem is it's 
it's not a matter of good or bad game. It's when you make a Magic the Gathering deck that is good, you get to own that deck. That is your deck. You put it together. In Hearthstone, you can't own anything that happens. Like a lot of times, something happens, and you can't go, look at what I did. No, you just go, look at what the game did. It's and exactly so my problem. That disconnect yeah. creates frustration in people who want to own their strategy, who want to own being right. better at the game than the opponent, but the game just goes, no, you're on equal playing field because neither one of you knows uh, what's going to happen. Yeah, and like I said, I can I can actually thrive in an environment like that, but at the same time, it's also an environment where my capabilities are meaningless because I'm just I'm basically just waiting for the game to decide who wins at some point. It's like when the guy casts Mind Vision, and there's a one in seven chance that he gets basically one of the best cards in the entire game out of my hand, and it's just kind of like. One, the Mind Vision didn't start in his deck, so there was a random dice roll to generate that card. And then two, there's a one in seven chance that he then nails this and creates a copy of it. And it's just like, the entire process is him basically just going, heh, shrug, and just seeing what happens. And then the game says, oh, by the way, he wins because of that. It's like when a Shaman player plays Devolve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's like it's like I've watched I've watched people just blow me out because they're like uh, totem 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 evolve oh look at what I got this is amazing it's just like okay well I'm able to just concede because there's just no point in continuing this this episode is Hearthstone now no it's not <laughs> it just I just like I said I just I played that game and I raged all week long and I enjoyed it but I just I don't know it's just bad <laughs> well I've learnt, I've learnt now that I can buy cards and expansions with wow tokens so now i don't have to spend any more money on the game so this is true and this this is <laughs> destiny 2 shot the price of the wow token up so high yeah that's yeah. true <laughs> oh god true oh uh, yeah but uh, so other other than this trip though right i went to go see family and had a lot of fun um you know just been writing my book so for anybody who has any inclination or care whatsoever um that is a thing that is happening um, I'm at 84,000 words now. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm only nice. like a third of the way through the projected plot. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, yeah, good, good stuff. I'm really enjoying, um, do you, at it, this point, so. Robert, do you know where the story is going to end? Oh, I've known. All right. Okay. I've, I've, I've it's known. probably known for over a decade. <laughs> That's no, I, possibly I, I, true. No, no, no. I've known for a decade, but I, I, I've known I've known for a couple of years now, like what the end game is, like where this okay. thing goes, and and obviously I'm not going to. The say major plot no, no, points no, no, no. are tattooed on him, like the dude from Memento. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. No, I just I. I I know what I'm. I know that where where I'm taking these characters and where I'm going with it. The thing that's actually been more interesting to me than than writing it has just been watching the um, the other ideas pop up. Where it's like, oh, okay, so now that I'm doing this, I can do this, or I'm doing this and I can do that. Or right. I chose not to kill this random side character, which means that in another completely unrelated sequel, I can have that character alive doing this, and that'll make this more interesting. Oh, that's cool. Let's do that. Um, because there there are shenanigans afoot. Like it's always this book in particular has always been um, kind of the gateway introduction to my greater insanity. Uh, hmm. as as in like this book is more or less like introduction of the setting and then from there um, there are other settings to explore basically I, I have this giant sign taped to the back of my book that says warning writer plays magic the gathering 
So um, shenanigans will be afoot. There will be lots and lots of things going on, um, assuming, of course, that I get to that point. Um, I think right now what I'm going to do is like I'm going to finish writing this. I'm going to get the uh, get the beta finished, send or get the alpha finished, send that to people who want to read it, uh, take the feedback, uh, get the beta done, and then while I'm looking for a publisher, start writing the next one. And just to kind of like give a hint as to like the kind of insanity that this is, the next one has absolutely no relatable features whatsoever, save one character who would appear halfway through. Okay. It doesn't even take place on the same damn planet or in the same reality, and yet it is a directly tied sequel. That's how crazy this is. Okay. Yeah, so means nothing to anybody right now, but maybe sure. in the distant future it'll be like, I remember hearing about this, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, so that's that's basically been the thing. So we've got our announcements, we've got our week in the past. All right, I think we're good for our topic. Our topic for this episode is Nintendo company, its consoles, a little bit of its past, present, and its future. Um, we've throughout the course of in one's kin, we've mentioned a lot to do with Nintendo. But it's always been as a vehicle for the things that we like. Mm-hmm. Like when we talk about Final Fantasy or Pokemon, Mario, like all, all these things were framed around this one company, Nintendo, that pretty much single handedly resurrected video gaming from a grave in 1983. Like, no joke. Uh, back in the day, Uh, Arcade games were a thing. Uh, Nolan Bushnell wanted to bring video games to the home market. You can play games at home. He created Atari, and that was all well and good. There was no way to tell what was a good game and what was a bad game. You didn't have the internet back then to look and be like, hey, this one's good, or hey, this sucks. So the market became so flooded with games because everybody with a circuit board, could make a game that the market flooded, collapsed. Like, video gaming, like, you wouldn't think of it today when you look at, like, Call of Duties and their $200 million budgets, that gaming actually failed once. Just just on a random aside, isn't that partly due to a game based on E.T.? Well, there was a really big problem with games being produced without any way of knowing how many they would sell, which the penultimate was E.T. Because E.T. was going to be the greatest movie ever made. Like, at the time, it was the highest grossing movie ever seen. So, in six weeks, this one poor guy was charged with making E.T. It had to be ready to ship in six weeks. From scratch. And there were just warehouses upon warehouses of these of ET cartridges sitting there waiting to fill every single like one hundred percent coverage every house in America would have ET. Except the game was awful and no one wanted to buy it. And the entire gaming market crashed. So it went to market? Yes, it went to market and okay. sat there. There are graveyards of this oh. game cartridge. That's not so there was an urban legend for the right. longest time. There was an urban legend that they buried yes. 
they just they just created concrete slabs. They just put them in concrete slabs upon slabs of ET cartridges and buried them in the Arizona desert. Yes, this that's really not true. happened. They were exhumed. Yeah. <laughs> now I because I'd heard the legend about them being buried out in the desert. I just was never sure or aware whether actually the game actually went to market. It did. It did. Okay. And I played it as a child. Okay. It w- I, I could not tell you what was happening. There was something about a man who would chase you, and then E.T. would fall in a hole, and then, like, sometimes you would eat a Reese's Pieces, and it would make you fly out of the hole, but then sometimes there would be a flower, and he couldn't escape the hole, and then he would die. Mm, okay. I, I, that's, I, that's all I remember. And I'm pretty sure if you looked up the game, that's pretty much all there is to it. <laughs> it was a, um, it was kind of like a, like a, a, a copy and paste port of another game, if I remember correctly. And it was a, yeah, and that I, was a bad game to begin with too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, there's a few things I was thinking about. I thought you were talking about something else, and I said that's not true. That that no, this thing, like I said, there are graveyards of this thing. They, it's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. So gaming was over pretty much, as far as the world concerned. They were like, oh, yeah, this gaming fad, that was fun, but it's gone. Nolan Bushnell checks out. Like, he sells Atari. He sells Controlling Interest. He goes off and creates Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, like, video game industry? That's old hat. Singing rodent pizzas (laughs) with robots. (laughs) This is this is the new hotness. Singing robot rats that play rock music and kids like lose all their parents' money to crappy gimmicky like carnival games. Yeah, gambling games, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Cuz he wanted he was trying to get rid of the the image that um arcades or where people go to gamble cuz pinball halls were all about gambling back in right. the day. So he's like, let's create a family-friendly sle- sleaze joint <laughs> to lose your money to. So yeah, gaming was pretty much dead. And then this tiny little company, not tiny, they were a pre-existing company since from like 1908 or something. This little game, little company called Nintendo is like, let's create an entertainment system for home that has all the ease of accessibility and like fun of arcades like right there and they resurrect gaming and the famicom in japan is a hit and then they bring it to america and it's amazing like no joke like you can say the rest is history from there because nintendo resurrects gaming creates it as a staple in homes like it becomes uh, you know, a, a home name. Like, people know what Nintendo is. People know who Mario is. It's like, oh, yeah, that Italian stereotype that eats mushrooms and climbs through your sewer grates to find your princess. Yeah, know that guy. <laughs> hey, I do it all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, like, Nintendo was a big deal when I was a kid. Like, I, I didn't... My family wasn't big on the whole computer scene. That was... When I was in like my teens, my early teens, that's when computers got big for me. But I remember being six years old, and my grandma and my great aunt just running into my bedroom 
carrying this giant box. And I'm like, what is this? And they're like, we got this just for you. I don't even think it was my birthday. Like, they just straight up lowered this box in my floor and I opened it up. Nintendo Entertainment System with Super Mario and Duck Hunt. And, you know, that right there is the defining moment of when I became a gamer. They bought me a Nintendo. And, like, you would go you'd go to school and you'd be talking to your friends like, oh, what's this game? What game you got? And we would, like, share games and have fun. Just a, a pure experience of joy and fun. Exactly what you would come to expect from Nintendo. The reason being, the Nintendo seal of approval and proprietary control over software. <laughs> For the Atari, any Joe Schmo could make a game and throw it out. Like, no joke. Put it, put this right, the name in pen on a piece of tape, put it in a Ziploc sandwich bag, and be like, Yeah, I got 30 units of uh, Duncan's Rush. Yeah, it's, it's the new hot thing. And you just get like this piece of crap. No, Nintendo was like, We control what gets put on, the, on our, our console. We will sue anybody who tries to make illegal games. And to make sure that people can be sure that they're getting a Nintendo game, they created this gold seal of approval that was on every one of the Nintendo games that they put out. It's like, this is how you know it's the pure stuff. This is the legit versions of the games. And it worked. Like, like they pretty much almost destroyed the third-party market for a long time. Um... And then they create the Super Nintendo, which is c- considered the golden age of gaming. Like, I remember the first time I saw a Super Nintendo. It was like at a birthday party. My friends all all gathered around, and my friend had brought a uh, Chrono Trigger. Needless to say, I was a terrible friend back then. I abandoned the birthday party and stayed up all night playing Chrono Trigger. Like, I was like, all right, guys, you're, you're, you're fine. I'm, I'm doing whatever this is. This birthday's boring. <laughs> like, my friend, I'm like, this dude threw up during that baby scene for Men in Black. I don't want to hang out with that. I want to hang out with Chrono. <laughs> like, I, it's, it's an experience that I don't think anyone's ever really had with a console. Just like, like, the Nintendo was cool and all, but Super Nintendo was the shiznit. Like, we had Mode 7, like, fake 3D planes, like, uh, Star Wars games, like, amazing Star Wars games. It, it was just the best. Being a child growing up with the existence of the Super Nintendo being fresh was the greatest, like, I think you could get for a long time. And, and that's the thing. Nintendo was always known for their consistency. If you knew a Nintendo game was coming out, you knew it was going to be good. The reason you knew it was going to be good is because we had Nintendo Power, (laughs) a magazine. Uh It sold us all the best Nintendo games straight from Nintendo's mouth. It's like, how could you be a Nintendo gamer and not have Nintendo Power? How else would you know what cool games are coming out? Funny thing that publication was pretty fair yeah they actually were i i freaking love nintendo power and uh like 
I didn't really care that much about Nintendo Power until I got my Game Boy, which the console, the handheld, I probably played that thing more than ever. You've heard me talk about it when I'm talking about Pokemon, how like once I got Pokemon, it was over. I didn't care about anything else. Just me and my Game Boy and trying to find a source of light so I could see my green screen. Like, Nintendo published um, strategy guides piecemeal of Pokemon, but they also serialized anime, animation, as comics in the back of Nintendo Power. So, not only was I getting the guide for it, I was getting to catch up on the episodes that I would miss because my school bus would always come around the time Pokemon was coming on, so I could only get like 10-15 minutes of the episode. And they were publishing them as comic books in it. While at the same time advertising all these cool games that I should totally buy. Or beg my parents to buy. So I guess that was a plus for them too. Like, Nintendo was this just, I don't know, omnipresent thing (laughs) in my life. And they were pretty much omnipresent for the longest time when it came to consoles. Their biggest competitor was Sega, which Nintendo owns now and is a software publisher for them. So you know who won that fight. (laughs) But yeah, like, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, solid, solid, solid. Nintendo 64... Amazing. I never owned one for some reason. Oh, wait, that's right. The PlayStation happened, which I've mentioned in the past. Like, I went with PlayStation. And, you know, sometimes I think I missed out. But, like, from there, you go 64, then you go GameCube. GameCube is where things start to get weird for Nintendo. Because Nintendo, up until this point, they'd been dealing with these little no-name companies that they did not care about, like, that were not a threat. And then the Sony PlayStation 2 comes out, and the Xbox. And they are, uh, like, the Xbox especially is American to the core. Like, we treat our consoles like we treat our cars. Like, the biggest, baddest, most horsepower. This thing can crush a can of beer with its abs. It's oh, like, gosh. What? No, we used to joke. We used to joke because um, when that when those were new, uh, I went on a school band trip to California, and this um, poor guy, um, his backpack fell off of the like little cart that they send to the airplane, and an airplane ran over his PlayStation Two, and destroyed it. And he got a new one when he landed at LAX, but it, his his console got run over by an airplane. And everybody joked that if the airplane had hit an Xbox, the airplane would have broken. Yeah, like, this thing was America to the core. It, it borderlined on being some kind of military hardware. Like, they wanted you to know it was the Humvee of consoles. So that was a new thing. Like, people had mentioned graphics in the past, but Microsoft came out swinging. They were like, no, graphics, big, beefy polygons. Like, polygons in numbers you've never seen before. And so Nintendo goes... All right, everybody's been chasing us this whole time, trying to copy what we're doing. I guess we need to just chase those guys. And the GameCube was built around graphics, which is super sad because it ends up hurting the GameCube. Because, yeah, the graphics were, like, all right, 
but it did not have the games that the mm. other companies had because of that long history of being like, you only make what we say on our console. We have strict guidelines. We have strict criteria. It has to go through all this like this gauntlet of requirements before it's even considered to be made. And then if there's at any point there's anything in this game we don't like, we can pull it. And so all the third-party companies were just like, uh, we'll just go to Sony and Microsoft because they don't care as long as we pay them a licensing fee. Right. And oh my God, did it, it, it wrecked Nintendo super hard. Which like, also, this is something they still struggle with. They, yes. they have a very, I don't know how else to put it. They have a very kind of like, I, I guess like Japanese way of producing what they consider to be a family friendly console to the point where they still have this draconian control over everything. Nintendo is only now realizing what the internet is. And right. even then, even then it's, it, it's a very, it's very controlled on there and they only let you play with certain people. There's this friend code saying, um, if you do play in an environment with random people, there's absolutely zero communication. Which, yeah, that's, that's something like Microsoft understood the internet because they were Microsoft. They were a computer-first company. Like, Sony, for the most part, understood it because they were a multimedia powerhouse making televisions and, like, all kinds of, like, consumer hardware. So they understood the need for mass appeal. And so they integrated with the Internet. Nintendo has always had trouble integrating. Like, they... I think that's why, for the most part, they just try and push for their own path because they, it's like they don't understand like how the world works. <laughs> like, well, there's there's a few things. Um, one of them is that Nintendo is built around that proprietary industry that they've generated for themselves. Um, one of the more interesting facts that I had seen, I don't know if this is still true, but like like half a decade ago, Nintendo was in the black to the tune of like several dozen million dollars that they just had stored. Like they could do whatever they wanted and totally fail for years because they had the money to lose. And the reason that that is possible is because they make their own console, because they have such control over it. That's where their money comes from, not actually producing games. So when another company makes the game for them, that's actually not relevant to them. What's relevant is that you buy a GameCube or that you buy an N64 or a Switch or any of these, or the Wii or any of these other things. That's why they keep innovating the console because that's where they're making their money is when they're selling the console. That's why the 3DS is such a big deal for them because so long as that keeps selling, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, and, and like for the GameCube, they were trying to chase these new Western guys, these punk 20-year-olds with their hats on backwards, and they just showed that they were they were just the old man. Like, they were the, you know, Steve Buscemi with, with the hat and the skateboard going, hello, my fellow teenagers. Like, it was kind of embarrassing because it was the first time I ever felt that Nintendo was like, like an old parent still thinking it was okay to give me teddy bears for Christmas. Like, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> you can be wholesome and not be so horribly behind the times that I feel embarrassed. 
And yeah, and you know, like you just said, you feel embarrassed. That totally is the case with a lot of people who had like you know the self-image thing to maintain, even amongst their geek friends. And Nintendo basically died in America. Yeah, during this period of time, mm. like they fought back. I mean, when he starts talking about the Wii, they fought back. But yeah, here's ugh. the thing: they flip it. Okay, so they're like, "All right, new console, the Wii," which is awful. Especially if you're in Europe, because you're literally buying the P. It's like, hey, I need to, I need to get a Wii. It's like, you mean take a Wii? The bathroom's over there, dude. Uh, dude, I'm gonna go lock myself in my room, and play with my Wii. Uh, uh. <laughs> grow hair on your palms. Like, like, here's the thing: they go from ostracizing young people with their their GameCube to pulling in. The most incredible demographic ever? Old people. With the yep. Wii. Like, aging elderly homes everywhere have a Wii in it with Wii bowling and Wii tennis on it. Yep. There's no buttons. We understand this one. You know why? Because the controller's shaped like the TV remote. It's amazing. I know. It's just, uh... Like, how? It's... How? It's like... Yeah, we totally failed to jump over that mud puddle, so this time we cleared the Grand Canyon by accident. Like, what? And even they had no way of understanding what they had just done. They're just like, uh, what do we we do now? We made this console that old people play, parents and children of all age, like everyone has come back to Nintendo. The Wii sold ridiculously well. The the Wii is incredible. I I I don't I I actually for me personally the Wii is one of my favorite consoles, um, strictly for the fact that it has the best version of Resident Evil Four. All right, when you oh, can man. actually point and shoot at the target zombies, it changes the game. Yeah, <laughs> the game is amazing. A completely different game. It's a totally different game, and it's fantastic. Um, and the Wii yeah. has. Like, some of my favorite games of any console generation. Xenoblade Chronicles is one of the best RPGs ever made. And it's even fashioned after an MMORPG and somehow still works on a console. Yeah. I haven't played it, but I've seen it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I I love that game. Seriously, I would put it up there with, like, the classics like Chrono Trigger. It's so damn good. You know, the funny thing about that is, like, I've wanted to play it, but I've found that there is a problem that I have. A tremendous problem. Because I tried to go back and play my Wii so that I could play Resident Evil 4. Apparently, I really like HD. Yeah. Like, a lot. Which is, which is another problem that comes to bite Nintendo in the butt. They are like, let's stop chasing graphics. You know, back in the day, we were fine playing our PlayStation 2 at 420p. But then, 1080 came. 720. And I remember the first time hooking up my my Xbox 360 to play Fable 2. My god. <laughs> like, you don't care about graphics, but when you can actually tell what's on the screen, there's a big difference. <laughs> I never knew how much I was missing 
Like, I hated playing racing games on the PlayStation 2 because everything was an amorphous pixel out in the distance and then suddenly it was in your face. Like, there was no depth. There was no distinguishing. There was no aliasing. It was just all grainy TV lines. And then we got... Sorry, I I can give you a modern example of this as well. Um, The Xbox One made this terrible decision to not have 1080p they have like some like 960 or something crazy stupid i don't know what it is i don't care um but yeah they don't display in 1080p and you know when you're playing it you can feel it um i played titanfall on the xbox one with some friends of mine and everything was pixelated you're trying to you're trying to snipe somebody halfway across the map and they're just a jumble of pixels you can't really tell where they are it's horrible. And it's like, why did you do this to us? You know, and then I got Titanfall 2 for the PC, and that game was crystal clear. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I mean, resolution matters. As soon as you discover resolution and HD quality, it matters. You have a very hard time going back. Now, I'm not saying you can't. You know, I love me my 16-bit games. But I'm just saying, once you go into the realm of 3D and you're not in HD, it's difficult. It's awful. It's so awful. Like, especially in games that require you to, like, do pinpoint movements or identify things on the fly at a distance. Uh, Like, I don't care about graphics, but fidelity. Yes. Fidelity matters. Sure. And so Nintendo makes the Wii, and everyone everywhere owns one. I own one. I own one, and I didn't even have a game to play at the time. I was like, whatever, I got a Wii. We'll play Wii Bowling. My dad played Wii Bowling. He was like, what is it? He played Wii Archery, because he was a hunter. <laughs> so he was like, he's like, what is that? It's like, it's, uh, it's, it's like archery range. And he just stayed up in my house for like 18 hours just playing archery. It's like, Dad, please go home. Like, yeah, but I'm just, it's archery. And I pull back my hands and then like let go, and the arrow flies. Dad, please go home. I'll buy you a Wii. <laughs> Just leave my house. <laughs> I, I, we owned the Wii too. Of, of the two consoles we ever owned, it was uh, we owned the Wii. We never bought. We only played what it came with. We never really bought anything extra to go with it. But yeah, we even we owned the Wii. I love listening to you say that. <laughs> we own the Wii. We, we own, own the Wii. Wii. Wee 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 wee. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I it it's an interesting it's an interesting point because the the Wii is both the greatest thing that's ever happened to Nintendo and I also think the worst thing that's ever happened to Nintendo because they make the decision at this point to really double down on going <laughs> for um, innovation as opposed to graphics and like normally I'm okay with this um, but they did it to the point where the Wii as one developer described it it's two bricks tied together with duct tape it just wasn't very good it left them in the dust because you saw all these game companies would be like alright we're gonna make our huge AAA title it's gonna be available on PC Xbox, PlayStation, 
That's it. Because they would have to make a completely new version for the Wii. Not only that, but there's only one M-rated game on the entire Wii. Mad World. And how that ever got published, I don't know. I don't know what they were well, doing in the back exclusive room of Nintendo. To the Wii. Exclusive to the Wii, yeah, because it has Resident Evil 4. Yeah, and and so... Oh, wait, yeah, okay, so Resident Evil 4. So there's like a couple of games that... There's a few, yeah. Um, seven, a couple others. Oh, seven M? I don't remember. I don't care. I never no more it. heroes or something? Yeah, one of those. Some, something crazy. There were a but, couple, um, but yeah. So Nintendo, like gets this idea that they're like, okay, so these other consoles are niche appeal consoles. We'll be a mass appeal console. Let's make a sequel. And instead of having it like a TV remote, let's have it like, like a tablet, like you're holding a tablet, but you play it on your TV. We'll call it the Wii U. And this is what happens. This is what happens. Nana, Nana, the Wii, the Wii U is coming out. I want to have it. But we already got you the way. Why do you need another one? Well, th- no, no, it's it's separate. Like it, it has like a big screen thing, so it just has a nut. It has like a TV you hold in your hand. That's just like the Wii. You don't <laughs> need that. And no one bought it because so many people were confused over what a Wii U was. Yeah. Yep. The old people they they attracted could not tell the difference. It was like that's just another Wii. We don't. We already got that. It's like having a DVD player and then getting a fancier DVD player. Like it, it plays the games. Why don't we need another one? And yeah, that happened. It was awful. Nintendo. It was like the first time I ever thought to myself, "Is Nintendo in trouble? Like, will I in my lifetime will I see Nintendo disappear?" Like, that's a scary thought. Because they were floundering so hard, like, not selling any Wii U's. Like, the only thing that kept them solvent was the 3DS. Thank God for the 3DS. <laughs> which is a brilliant little piece of hardware, which is hilarious. Like, it's so good, but it, no one has ever actually used it for its gimmick. Like, 3D sucks. It hurts your eyes. And children under 6 become permanently cross-eyed if they get a Wii or a 3DS. Like, it came with a warning. It's like, if your children are under six, don't let them use the 3D function and make your kids cross-eyed. So, yeah. yeah. The, I, per- the personally, is... I, I personally loved it. <laughs> yeah, I freaking love the 3DS. Like, it is the only thing that I've ever saw that could rival the Game Boy Advance, which is my favorite handheld of all time. Mad props to Nintendo for somehow... They've always been dominant in the handheld uh, market. And they never even really realized it, is the thing. Because they wouldn't take advantage of it. They would just be like, yeah, I mean, it just kind of sits there. Now, they would produce some cool games every once in a while. They never made a big push for it. No big advertising push. Like, nothing really. Well, they kept trying weird crap, like the Virtual Boy. Yeah. Nintendo's always chased some weird innovation, but they always tend to do it too soon or in such an oblique manner that people are like, what is going on? This makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually one of the few people on the planet, I think, that's actually played a Virtual Boy game. Um, no joke. Like, this, there, there is an alternate universe where the day that I took, like, I was like, 
eight or nine, my dad took me to a pawn shop and he's like, we're going to buy some guns. And he's like, you have, you, you have this gun at, at nine. Don't worry about it. It's, I'm in the South. Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't want it. I'm just going to sell it at the pawn shop. And he was like, all right, find something to buy. Before I saw my, the black Game Boy that I still own, I had shoved my face in a virtual boy sitting on the shelf and was like, what is this? It's got like a screen and like, oh, this is neat. I almost bought a virtual boy instead of my Game Boy. There's no telling where that would have sent me. Probably some <laughs> spiral downwards and ended in a mass shooting. Like, oh, you, you sold your gun, so you couldn't... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have gone back and bought the gun. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, the the Wii U is just rotting on the vine, just ruining everything they had built with the Wii. And Nintendo is like, what, what do we do? And here's the problem. When the Wii U first came out, you couldn't find one. Like, nobody could find one. They were for sale, just there weren't any on the shelf. And it became super frustrating as somebody who did want a Wii U to get one. And I eventually, I had to wait a long time before I got my Wii U. Like, to the point that it was, like, bundled at a discount with, like new Super Mario and Luigi. Like, a long time after it was released. And, uh... I, I, I seriously was, like, unsure of what the heck Nintendo was going to do to bounce back. And then they started talking about the Switch. And no joke, it to me, I was like, Nintendo needs to take advantage of the fact that they have been the king of handheld. Yeah, they make good consoles, but they're, they're in a crowded market with two gigantic titans, Microsoft and Sony. They announced the Switch. I was like, please. Like, no joke was talking like they need to make a hybrid. They need to just go on full hybrid. The Wii U had a tablet that you couldn't walk five feet away from your console with. I was like, they need to detach and let me go back and forth. And they did it. The Mad Lads did it. it. Made the switch, and I would tell you how amazing it is. Except I don't know of anybody that owns one. Mm. Not because they don't want it. There are none to buy. There are so few switches to buy that in the first two shipments that they sent out, they paid for commercial air flight delivery. Of the switches to the stores, they they literally put them on like a United Air flight and got some dude kicked off so that they could have switches sent in the plane in a jet commercial jet, and they paid for each package shipping and lost money like forty six dollars per switch that they sent out, and yet there's there's none to be found. Well. Part of that, too, is you never get better publicity than when Penny Arcade says, buy something. And Penny Arcade, since the... I mean, you got to understand the history. Like, when the Wii U came out, Penny Arcade was like, we don't get it. The only good thing they had to say about the, the Wii U was that you could play on the controller while your kids were watching the TV. Yep. For me, for me, I had the Wii U. 
I actually like it quite a bit. Um, but what it primarily boiled down to was I could play, I could have the console in my room and I could play Mario Kart 8 throughout my house. That was basically what it boiled down to. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the console, I, I don't, I, I only own like four games for it. Um, and this plus the Xbox One debacle that I had later, where I only really own like three games for it, is basically what's made me go, you know, I, this isn't worth it. I'm paying hundreds of dollars for a console and then 50 games on top of each of them to not play them. Meanwhile, yeah. I continue to play World of Warcraft. Um, yeah, so that was, that was problematic. Um, sorry. And, and so the, but then you go to the Switch, and with the Switch, it's crazy because with the Switch, they're busy saying, hey, um, you can take this anywhere. They're talking about going off and taking it hiking with them. I mean, Gabe, the artist from Penny Arcade, he and his family went, um, I believe it was to Utah to go hiking and like those canyons and whatnot. And they brought the switch with them. They spent the nights around the campfire at their picnic tables playing the switch. If that's, that's not an endorsement, amazing. yeah. If that's not an endorsement for something, I don't know what is. They basically just said because, like, there's that commercial when they announced the switch. There was that commercial, and a lot of people were making fun of it because they're like, "Oh, you can take the switch to your late night basketball court. You can take the switch here. You can take the switch there. You can have spontaneous game sessions in your garage with your with your you know amateur band or whatever. You know, just all this stuff that a lot of people were watching that video going, "Oh, please, it's ridiculous." No, no, that actually happens. This is what people are doing. This is real. You can you can take half of the con- you can take one of the controllers off, hand it to a total stranger that you're standing in line with at the convention, and you can play a game on the Switch together. And then you just take it back and you continue. Beautiful, I'm tearing up. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the perfect Ninten- vision of gaming that I had as a child. Like yeah, Nintendo hit this home run. Wherever. Yeah, Nintendo Nintendo has smashed this thing wide open. And here's the other thing too. Once again, it's their innovation. So they're making all this money. They're the only people on the market with this capability. No one else can even touch this. And it's completely unique. Yeah, I can tell you right now, like, for the longest time, other companies would try and chase Nintendo. And they arrive at where Nintendo is after Nintendo has left to go somewhere else. So the Wii comes out, and it has motion controls. And it's selling like crazy. And Sony and and Microsoft are successful in their own right, but they're not we successful. So what they do? Oh man, we got to connect and we got Sony Move. We got PlayStation Move and the PlayStation I and like I have never been so mad as I have when they when Microsoft started pushing the connect. Oh. Mother of God did I get mad. To the point that like when when they came out with the R2-D2 Special Edition uh, Xbox 360, I purchased it, opened it up, was super happy, saw that it came with a Kinect and Star Wars Kinect, and got so mad I immediately sold the Kinect and Star Wars Kinect online. Like, I was like, I will not have this garbage in my house. Like, I will not have Nintendo's sloppy second rehash from some other company taking up space in my house. So mad because they were, in my eyes, as a gamer, they were doing good. But from a consumer standpoint, it's like, oh, what are they doing that we don't know? Like, oh, they got they got movement. Yeah, let's do movement. Maybe old people want to play Call of Duty and Gears of War. No, it's not how that works. 
Well, the the worst part for me was when they uh, pushed it with the Xbox One to the point where in order to log into your account, you had to go through its facial recognition. Like, that was ridiculous. So I, I just, I'm not even going to put up with this. I just unplugged it, and I, I went through the additional, like, four steps to log into my account every time I booted it up. Because I don't want this thing looking at me. As, as conspiracy serious as it may sound, they actually could turn that thing on and look at you if they wanted to. The best thing to come from the Kinect is in Paranormal 4 when it was used in the scene. It was super spooky because they had an IR camera that you could see the scan lines from the Kinect going across the whole room at night. It's super creepy. That's the best thing anyone's ever done with it. Mm. Like, it's so... Uh, it's, important so technology. It's, it's important technology, but it's, it's poorly implemented. The, the, it's the same problem that the Wii had. Uh, the problem with the Wii was not that the Wii remote was a bad idea. It was that only Nintendo and a few other people who got lucky actually understood what to do with it. And even then, Nintendo didn't always get it right. Um, so a lot of the third-party companies would forcibly add movement to the Wii remote, and there was no point. It was kind of like there was an Evil 4 port, for example, is, a, is great for this. They have parts in the game where you need to run away really fast from boulders and stuff. And you did this in the GameCube version by just pressing A really fast. When the Resident Evil 4 version comes out and the boulder falls and you have to run away, you have to shake the controller really fast. That's exhausting. And dumb. <laughs> Very. Uh, like, uh, and, and And that was the thing. Like, Nintendo was not even expecting to be as successful with the Switch as they are. They just saw, yeah, we'll make a game. And in an interview recently, the head of Nintendo was like, like, yeah, you want your game to do well, and you want to feel like that when it does well, that that's, you know, because you did a good job. He's like, but I wasn't expecting it to be this good. Like, for that many people to respond like that to the Switch. Yeah, it's it's pretty revolutionary. And do you want I, to know what game there is to play on it? Zelda. Zelda. It's the Zelda console. Breath of the Wild. Grand Theft Auto horse jacking. Like, okay, that sounded a lot dirtier than I intended. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but hey, you go for it. Please explain. You, those you just go ahead and jack those horses. <laughs> See what happens. Uh, but But seriously... It's Legend of Zelda, which which goes back to, to Nintendo. Like, when the Wii U came out, like, just to go back to show you how, how little Nintendo knows what they're doing right now, and that any success they have is a complete and total accident. When the Wii U came out, they were like, look, 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 yeah, I know we've been hostile towards third parties, but, like, here's Batman that you've been playing for two years, and here's Assassin's Creed, and here's, uh, like, there was some other game. Darksiders and Bayonetta, which Bayonetta's a phenomenal game. Not knocking Bayonetta. Mother of God, that was the only reason to own a Wii U, was for Bayonetta 2. But they were like, look at all these third-party games we have. And so these re-releases of games you already owned came out. Because they were catering to the core gamer. So the core gamers looked at it and was like, I already own that. 
don't care. And then no other third-party games came to the Wii U. <laughs> Ubisoft straight up was like, it's garbage. <laughs> they, yeah, Ubisoft made a couple of games that were exclusive to the Wii U, and then they just noped right out of there. Yep. Zombie U is an interesting idea, but terrible execution. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, like, Nintendo's silly. But this time around, they you know they make the they make the switch, and it's like, what is there to play? There's Zelda. Uh, there's uh, Isaac Rebirth EX or whatever, which is a a re-release. The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth EX. It's a re-release of a game that already existed. Thankfully, now well, and, and then there was um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is Mario Kart 8. Another rehash. Like, they couldn't even get third-party rehashes. It's just like, yeah, we'll just sell you our own stuff again. Yes. So, I was excited about the Switch. And I've yet to get one. And there isn't one available within 300 miles of me. Trust me, I check weekly. So, it's put me in this dilemma of where, like, my enthusiasm for the Switch is gone. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. Like, I'm beyond caring. Like, I was so mad for 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 the first, like, month or so. Because I was like, how can they expect to do this to the consumer and still have the consumer be like, oh, thank you for making this thing. Like, every time I'd go in GameStop, I'd be like, oh, man, look at look at this. Like, you know what would be cool? If Nintendo made, like, this console that was like, like you could play it on your TV and then you could like like switch to handheld. If they ever made one of those, I bet it would sell well. Like like literally just saying that out loud to GameStop. It would be amazing if they could sell those. It'd be so good. Like will you tell me if they ever sell something like that? <laughs> Cuz it's all the peripherals and the game sitting there and a big blank shelf of nothing. For $299. Pretty much. That is so disheartening. Because you look and you're like, oh, there's Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Buy it for the Switch and wait to get a Switch. Or I could buy it for the Wii U. Or I could just not buy it at all because that sounds way better than Mm -hmm. either of those scenarios. I'm in a very similar boat. I really, really want to play Breath of the Wild. And I'm sure that I will. I've played and completed every single major console release of The Legend of Zelda. It is one of my favorite game series of all time. And I'm just looking at it right now like, okay, I can buy it for the Wii U, which I just feel like would be a terrible decision because I'm not getting the optimal experience, even though it's technically a Wii U-designed game. It's the Twilight Princess all over again. Yes, which I... It's like, do I buy the old version? That sounds crappy. Pretty much. Um, So there's that option. Or you buy it for the Switch, and you just kind of wonder what else is coming. Because, like, no joke, the Switch announced game that everyone's excited about, they're like, oh, this is coming, this will be great. It's freaking Skyrim. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's excited which, about Skyrim. You know, which has spawned a meme of, like, Skyrim being announced for everything. It's like, guys, look. Look at what just got announced. And it's a picture of a TI-83 with a screen, pixeled screenshot from Skyrim. Ah. Skyrim on everything. Like, like, pretty much is the meme now. Well, yeah, because they just released the, the Mastered Edition, you know, and... 
I mean, Skyrim just won't die, which I don't have a problem with, frankly. But I don't either. It's... But the but the main the main point is that you have all this potential. You have all these franchises. You could be doing Metroid, Star Fox, all this stuff, whatever. Name it, go for it, do it. It's cool. And we're all sitting around going, "Oh my God, we're going to do Skyrim! This is amazing!" It's like <laughs> that game's almost a decade old. Yep. Uh, which like. Here's the thing, that's not the only weird supply issue snafu that they've got going on. There was the NES Classic, which I would forgive you for not knowing it existed because it practically didn't. I'm very aware of this. Actually, I had a guy, a guy in Kansas City International Airport because I was wearing my Overwatch hat and my uh, Hearthstone shirt because I do have Hearthstone. My favorite, yeah. I have my Hearthstone shirt on, I have my Overwatch backpack on, and this guy was like, he's just like, oh, you're a gamer. And he's, talking, he's like, you know... Can't believe Nintendo doesn't want to put print money by not having more of those NES classics available. <laughs> yeah, I'm just laughing because it's absolutely true. Yeah, it's super sad. Do you do you want to know why they stopped making those? Having a clue. Because in their infinite wisdom, they put a computer inside of it that had storage inside. It could hold every Nintendo game ever made, and that was the first thing people did was hack it and add every Nintendo game ever made to it as an emulator device. Oh crap, I gotta buy one of these. It's the most beautiful emulator device ever because it the 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 firmware on it reads ROMs. Like Nintendo wasn't even playing around. It literally reads ROM files using their HUD. So you just go through and select the games that you've thrown on it using Nintendo's heads-up display. And it's just like, all right, bam, play playing whatever game I want. All thousand Nintendo games because there's enough memory on this computer because the smallest solid-state memory you can get is big enough to hold every Nintendo game ever. That's hilarious. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. They, they screwed themselves without realizing it. And so they were like, um, we're not making that anymore. It's limited run. Don't don't worry about it. Well, that's so the now, other thing too. Nintendo is still obsessed with selling everybody their old games on virtual consoles through the Wii and the Wii U and the Switch. Well, that's like so they're they're now going to be making the Super Nintendo Classic, which is only going to have like it's going to have less games than the Nintendo Classic had, and it's they also said it's going to be a limited run. Which at this point I'm like, you're you're not you're not raising confidence in me about you. You're just making me want to emulate more. Like you just make me want to emulate games because I know I'm never gonna own one. The only time I'm gonna see them is going to be on eBay for eight hundred dollars because there are pictures on the internet of entire pallet shipments of like sixty of them that that scalpers would just purchase with a bot. And then put on eBay for 500 bucks a pop. Like, Scalpers won with the NES Classic. It's going to happen again with the Super Nintendo Classic. Yep. And here's the thing. To add insult to injury, Nintendo likes to do what I call pointless iteration, which they became the king of um, with... They started it with the, with the Game Boy Advance. They made the Game Boy Mini the Game Boy SP, the Game Boy Micro. Oh, gosh, like, yeah. They made so many versions of the Game Boy Advance. 
And then they perfected it with the DS. There was the DS, the DSi, the DS Lite, the DS XL. Like, no joke, I own most of those. And they all just have small iterations that would they would come out within like six months of each other. To the point that I had fatigue. I was like, I'm not going I'm not buying anymore. And so the 3DS comes out, and then there's the 3DS Lite, the 2DS, the 3DS XL. And then finally they make the new 3DS XL. And it was supposed to be a, a bigger processor, higher graphics, faster processing times to play all these new 3DS games, which, once again, is them not knowing how to name something. It's literally called the new 3DS XL. Well, it, the, the thing I have about that, though, too... Um, what does it matter if it's more powerful or stronger? It's like I'm looking at these current consoles, like the Xbox, and they're doing all these you know, iterations of the Xbox and the PlayStation 4 right now. And they're like, this one's slightly better than the previous one. I'm like, okay, and this affects your older games because... Here's the thing. It was going to allow you to play new games that they were going to make specifically for the new 3DS that could only be played by the new 3DS... Here you go. I know this might make the episode run long, but I'm going to name the library of games that are made exclusively for the new 3DS XL. Xenoblade Chronicles. I'm done. Has time stopped? Like, that's it. One game. A single game. A reselling of a game that already existed on the Wii. That's it. Oh, sorry. Wait. They're making a, um, a, uh, a game that's going to come out in, like, 2018 for this console that no one's bought because there's no reason to and the worst part about it is to help tout like to make it more attractive to buy the new 3ds xl Lite, whatever it has access to virtual nes uh, virtual snes console games that you can't get anywhere else you can't get it on the wii the wii u the 3ds the switch no only available for purchase through the new 3DS XL. Are you kidding me? Like, for real? It's just not smart. They're just gonna just straight up carve people out if they don't own this one specific console that there's no reason to own? And now they have the audacity to sell an SNES Classic with like 19 games on it that no one's gonna be able to buy. It's like, what are you doing? Do, do you just hate success? Is that what makes you angry? That you've become, like, has, has Nintendo become nihilistic? And, like, success is pain to them? It drives me crazy. Because they're one of my favorite companies. And I'm sitting here going, Oh, look, they made a new console. I can't get that one. Oh, look, they're making a classic console. Can't get that one. Oh, look, they're making another classic console. Yeah, I can't get that one either. But they keep promising that they're going to make more. Guys, we're going to ramp up that production of the Switch to 20 million units by the end of the year. We promise. We promise there's going to be more SNES classics than there were NES classics. Your promises don't mean anything when I just look at empty shelves that have prices on them. It's yeah, bizarre. It's, it's bizarre. It's, it's, it's been a recurring theme, man. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. if, if you're a Nintendo fanboy right now, um, I don't begrudge you because I'm one of them, but Man, Nintendo's driving me crazy. Oh, and they're also going to be making a mainline Pokemon game for the Switch. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not now, joking. Here's, here's they the thing. said maybe. 
here's the thing. If th- this is what I'm saying, the fact that that is a maybe is literal insanity. If they make that game, I will move heaven and earth to buy a Switch. Yeah, I'll pull a trigger on a freaking GameStop bundle that's like $20 extra than if I bought everything individually. I was about to say, you're going to shoot someone for this? Oh my god. <laughs> no, like... like I'll pull GameStop. the trigger! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Southern euphemisms. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, like, GameStop sells these bundles for $600. Like, you don't even have a choice. You have to buy the console, the pro controller, uh, like, what is it, Just Dance or something? It comes with uh, Breath of the Wild. Like, you, you don't have a choice. You just take it. It's all or nothing. Like, they won't just let you buy the console. They're holding you ransom. For the thing you want, because they know they can. And and I'm sitting here like, if they make a mainline Pokemon game, like, what am I going to do? And so far, I've narrowed it down. I'm just going to go to Think Geek because they have a bundle that gives you a badass Legend of Zelda watch. So I think I'll just go with their bundle. Fair enough. But yeah, it's this this company that defined my childhood, I'm looking at as an adult going... This doesn't make sense from a consumer or business perspective. Like, this is madness. How did they make it this far on, what, just on moxie and nostalgia? Is Can nostalgia be mined for 30 years? Like, if when does that, when does console, that, yeah, when does that, indication, man, it, yes, when does can. that ore vein run out? Never. Like, for me, it's getting pretty tapped right now. I'm, I'm like, I'm too disappointed to like keep caring, and to keep hoping that I can get this thing that I want. But then I look and I'm like, this isn't the first time the company's done this. Like this, they, at this point, they're a repeat offender. I could just stick with the games that I have now, because we live in an age where people make games that you can play for the rest of your life, like, and you don't need. Uh, the 15th version of them selling you the same game again. Like I can yeah. just play one game that changes every year and I can play that forever. Or I can hope and pray that I can find a scalper who won't slit my throat when I meet him from the Craigslist. Like, it's not worth it. Like, right now, it's not worth it to be a Nintendo fanboy. As much as I want to be, as much as I have been for a large portion of my life, I'm like, this is... It's too tiring. I'm too old, and I don't have enough time for this anymore. Damn. (laughs) That's the episode. Well, just before we completely cut it off, so I only have two Nintendo experiences. I've told you about one, that we actually own a Nintendo Wii. And the only other story I have, it goes back to the mid to late 80s. I'm at school high school now um i was not somebody who was afforded a lot of pocket money my mates were playing arcade video games i whenever i had a bit of pocket money i would play some arcade video games unfortunately i was never very good so after a while it felt like i was throwing what little pocket money i had away 
but I was around the scene when Space Invaders and then Meteor and Gallagher were big in the arcade scene in Australia. And this followed, obviously, you know, Australia, New Zealand sort of lagged behind the United States in terms of when these games came out and how popular they were or when they became popular. And then all of a sudden, I remember a kid at school turned up with this handheld device and it flipped open and it was Donkey Kong. (laughs) Oh my God, Game & Watch. Yes, Game & Watch. Now, I had no idea of its connection to whatever company or what the game was, but this kid started playing this handheld game, and I thought it was the most amazing piece of technology I had ever seen. Probably the only thing at that point that I thought that may have been any better was a VHS machine. Now, all of a sudden, these became the big thing, and all of a sudden... Kid after kid started turning up to school with these handheld devices, all playing Donkey Kong. And occasionally I would sweet talk one of them into allowing me to play a game on their handheld devices. These things were at least, and I can't remember exactly, at least $100 Australian in the mid to late 80s, which was big money. Sure enough, I go home and I start nagging to my mother about wanting one of these Donkey Kong games. And I want a Donkey Kong game and I want a Donkey Kong game. And my mother would ask me how much they were and I said what they were. And all of a sudden she just sort of like gasped at the thought of having to spend that much money on a silly little handheld video game. Though eventually I think I nagged her so much that she... Took me to, I can't remember where we went, Kmart or whatever it was, so that we could officially look at these games and see how much they were and whether she was prepared to spend that much money. So we turned up to the counter and there it was in all its glory. Unfortunately, by this stage, it's the, the fad had started to phase out a little bit. And there it was, and I think the price may have come down a little bit, and she just looked at that price and she exhaled and she was not prepared to spend that much money by this stage is probably you know $90 Australian sitting next to it was this handheld game that I couldn't even tell you who made it or it didn't even have the name that I associated with but it was basically a handheld Space Invaders game and this thing was $40 and my mother pointed at it and said I'm prepared to buy you that Chances are it was the Tiger Electronic. Yeah. Quite possibly. Which it is was shaped own. It was shaped in the shape of a a um like an alien. It sort of had that alien missile type shape, like a space invader type thing. Yellow well, that's and black. That's what they did. Yeah, that was right. that sounds very much right. Tiger Electronic. Okay. So that's what I got. Okay. I knew yeah, I wasn't I, I, I knew I wasn't going to ever get a Donkey Kong game, but I got this thing. And sure enough, I got it. I played it, but it was was not Donkey Kong. This thing I thought was amazing. Just being able to move up, down, left, right, jump. It was 
just that it just at that time and that place i just thought it was amazing technology of course video games have come a long way since then but I, that was like my first real memory of just how great video games was were and how were becoming uh yeah it was just but I that, that I was never going to get it, but I came close. I was just very, very envious of my schoolmates that had that Donkey Kong game. A neat little um, factoid: the Nintendo DS's design was actually based off one of the old Game and Watch yeah, designs. Yeah. You can, the old yeah, clamshell you, design. Yep, you can see you could you get that feel. My daughter got was uh, you know got given a Nintendo DS for a birthday present or what a Christmas I can't remember and I remember she handed it to me to have a bit of a play with and I flipped this thing open and that's that feel I got immediately of going oh this feels like that old Donkey Kong game that I played as a kid yeah that's awesome because those those type of handhelds are are their own history yep which just as an aside, I own the greatest Tiger electronic game ever made. Like, no joke. Like, I would have to show it to you in person. It's so rare. Like, right. most people don't know it, ex- it exists. Tiger Electronics made a Resident Evil 2 game that was a handheld that okay. you could hook, like, with a connector cable to someone else's Resident Evil 2 Tiger Electronic Handheld, okay. and you right. could co-op through it. And it wasn't one of those electronics where it was just one screen, and then you have like a limited like, like back in the day, you could see all the animations on the screen. Right. Like a lot of times, uh, you would buy it, and it would have like the little piece of plastic over it that showed you all the animations on the screen. Yeah. No, this was a full-on game. It was borderline like a Game Boy game, but it was Resident Evil 2 and actually had levels and bosses and keys and backtracking. It is a Resident Evil game just in a Tiger Electronic little handheld. And it has sound effects, like zombie moans and stuff, and all the gun (laughs) sound effects. Like, it is the most impressive thing I've ever seen. It was the last generation of Tiger Electronics that they ever made. What happened to Tiger Electronics? They get bought out or they go under? They just kind of just faded out because, right. like, console games and stuff sure. went high tech and there was there just wasn't a market anymore. Hmm. But, yeah, I like to break that thing out every once in a while, put some batteries in it, and then, like, show people, like, my, my nerd friends, like, hey, want to play some Resident Evil 2? And they're like, what is this? And then, like, let them sit with it for a while, and they're like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it really is. For what it is and from the time it's from, it still impresses me today. Like, walking around as Leon, fighting the crocodile boss, or the alligator boss in the sewers and stuff. It's like, how is this even possible? It's very cool. Well, guys, we've made it yep. to the proverbial... Or to the figurative and literal end. I feel like I should burp. Yeah, well, 
Anyway, keep an eye. Okay, um, I will continue to put out all our episodes up on YouTube for ease of access to anybody who's interested in going back and listening to our episodes. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash inonesken. Like us there. And if we ever bring the show back or any updates, you will put them up on there for you. It's been fun, guys. It has. I've learned to love some things I've hated, and I've learned to hate some things I love. <laughs> it's a good it was worth every it. every minute. You respect that Jurassic World. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> this isn't goodbye, guys. It's just hello again later. Sure. Bye for now. Later, all. Krabby's Noble Van and Ash, Nanky, Chancy, and Zubat, Smoking Ditto, Butterfree, Lugia, and Time only goes one way perceptibly to you. Even if I'm bending time, you wouldn't know. This is when Ted's like, it's too late for this shit, man. Yeah. All right. All right, I'm recording, so whenever you guys are ready. Did we lose 10? Oh, we might have. No, I'm here. Oh, okay. I just haven't said anything. <laughs> okay. It's all right. That terrified me, though, because you said you were tired, and anyone, I'm just like, oh, gee, this old man Tan's falling asleep at the wheel.